And welcome back to your favorite podcast, aka The Pals Podcast. Ooh, what a nice day. It is hot in the studio. Got the window open, nice breeze. You see the CN Tower. Beautiful, beautiful day. Honestly, weather's, weather's getting better. We hope you're all having a fantastic, uh, whatever day it is, you're listening to this. Fantastic Ooh, day. I like that because I was going to correct you. Yeah, I hope you're having a fantastic day, guys. We are The Pals. My name is George Boutsalis. And I'm Ricky Liorti. And uh, before we introduce our amazing guest, if you're listening to this, stop everything you're doing. Go and like, or sorry, go and subscribe to the Pals Podcast. Leave us a review uh, on all platforms. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a follow on Instagram at the Pals Podcast. Uh, yeah, please do that. We would really love the support. Thank you to everyone who's listened so far and supported so far. All the uh, new listeners, we love you and prepare to listen to a fantastic episode, honestly. Terrific episode. Ricky, tell them who we had. We had Peter Takis, uh, most notably known as Takis. Uh, he's a musician, singer, songwriter from Toronto. Actually, no, I lied. He's not from Toronto. He currently lives in Toronto, but he's from Winnipeg. He's released songs with Tory Lane called Wait For Me. Uh, he's got a new single on the radio with our former pals, Always Never, called This Feeling. He's got a new album coming out this summer called Welcome Home. And just honestly, overall, great dude. He's had a lot of success in the past with some remixes, but now he's focusing on basically collaborating with different types of musicians uh, and bringing them into the EDM and pop world and really creating something different for us, the, the listeners, to hear. He is awesome. Peter, yeah. best of luck, man. Uh, like you're, great, uh, you're a great guy, and you have some great music. So, guys, if you haven't heard Takis, go check him out right now. Not yet. Listen to the episode first. Then go listen to him. Um, well but yeah, Yeah, other than that, guys, let's get it. Well, we got to say thank you to some people first. So let's get into that. We'd like to give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, Cottage Springs. Uh, they make some of the greatest vodka waters, vodka sodas out there. Uh, definitely check them out at your local LCBOs. Zero carbs, zero grams of sugar. Uh, we've said it on this podcast numerous times, some of the best drinks we've had. They just actually released a new raspberry lime vodka water and a new vodka lemonade. So check those out at your local LCBO or check them out online at Cottage Springs. That vodka water, by the way, is in like a four liter box or something. Yeah. That thing looks like a good time. Oh, Can't wait to bust that oh, up yeah. for the cottage. Oh, yeah. I uh, want to give a shout out to RFP Design, our good friends and our pal, Andrew Moretti. They were the they were gracious enough to donate or to get together to provide us with this, this incredibly beautiful couch that has really imp uh, made our studio space and our and our online uh, video pop a lot more they make custom furniture they do custom beds custom couches custom chairs custom dresses anything you need for your house custom that they can they, they can make it uh andrew is, is not he is a serial entrepreneur and one who will is not shy to take on any new uh task or project nothing's too big or too small they are one of the they got to be one of the fastest growing custom manufacturers custom furniture manufacturers in canada um Shout out to them. Shout out to the team over there for making this amazing couch. Shout out to Andrew. Go check them out, guys. www.rfpdesign.com and let them know the pal sent you. And I guess last but certainly not least, give a shout out to Cast, uh, our baby and the newest and hottest social voting platform. Also no social media, but we're trying to get away from that because we're trying to be a little more objective. And what we're trying to do is be the objective assembly of public opinion. How we do so is we remove the friction of participation in online conversations by allowing people to be honest, authentic, unique, objective, and just downright curious. We eliminate the social pressures. We eliminate the influence. We eliminate all of those things that would skew someone's opinion 
um, in order to deliver fully objective and transparent results to our users and let them think for themselves. Because at the end of the day, everyone should think for themselves. I think that's about it. Go to down, go to joincast.co to download now. We are in beta, but the app is still fully functional and is up and running. So get on there now to get your usernames and start casting today because it's about to blow up. My pal, LFG. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs>
some parents driving their kids to soccer practice also knowing the lyrics to your song. So I think nothing's cooler than a wide group of people knowing your song. So I love pop music. So that's a compliment. I actually agree with you. Okay, well, then I meant that in the best way possible. (laughs) But but think about it. Like, if you, there's nothing, in my opinion, nothing cooler than like driving and hearing your song on the radio. Like, there are underground stations. How do you know it's nothing cooler? Have you heard that before? Yeah, bro. <laughs> I really a whole bunch of music, you know that? I would imagine yeah, it's got to be the right? coolest feeling. You're driving down. Like, I had a friend um, back when I was in high school, uh, Chris Ramos. He was an, uh, an EDM kind of DJ producer. And I remember, like, first time I heard his song in the car, I was, like, excited for him. I'm like, yo, bro, this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Your, your song's on Z103, like, DJ Danny D's, like, banging out your, your track. I'm like, this is sick. And then you, the older you get, it's like... I, I understand what you were thinking when you were a kid, that underground feel, that underground vibe, and that's like cool, chic, hip, whatever. But now, like, you know, there's the three main radio stations I listen to, Z, uh, Kiss, and uh, Virgin Radio. Like, that's where your tracks get played. Yeah. I and mean, those are like those three big stations in Toronto. The last record all time with Jamie Fine and Brandon Burnett, that was my first, like, national radio hit. And I yeah. felt that. Every time I was in an Uber, I heard it. All the people messaging me. So, yeah, there is something special about radio. And it is kind of like we do overvalue that media form because obviously when you have a million streams on Spotify, you're reaching a lot more people globally. But hearing your song on the radio, it's just like there's this the barrier to entry. If you've hit that top 40 chart, True. if you've been added to those 50 stations, it's just it feels different. So my first radio record, especially, it's almost like changed my life in many ways, that last record. It That's was really awesome, important man. for me. That's all. And you said earlier too, even bringing different people into like kind of the EDM and pop world. Track with Tory Lanez, like again, another banger. Yeah, love it. Like you have Tory Lanez who is just rap, rap and hip hop. That's that is him. And then boom, EDM track. So my first album, which is coming out this summer, is called Welcome Home. And when I first started it about two years ago, it's been a long process. I had this actual piece of paper. Now it's an iPhone note, but at the start it was a piece of paper where I was like, these are the artists I want to work with. And I had encircled, it was unlikely collaborations. I needed every song, people not to expect it. And I also had like different producers and songwriters I wanted to work with. But at the top of that list was Tory Lanez. I had Goody Grace on there, who's this like acoustic, like pop rock kind of guy. And convincing first Goody Grace to be like, hey man, you just put out a song Blink-182. I don't even think you listen to dance music. I don't think you know, like the biggest DJ, you could say Tiesto, and I don't even think he would know who Tiesto (laughs) is. So me explaining like, hey, this is the album concept. I want you on this record. Just like, it's not going to be too dance, but it's like, come on, a little more up-tempo, getting him on that. And I was like, okay, I have this guy that doesn't really do dance music, doesn't like auto-tune, acoustic as it gets. He just did Fallon with Blink-182. Who else could I get as a feature that's like completely different? And to me, that was Tory Lanez, and that was the first single off the album. Thankfully, Tory liked the song, and that was a complicated process, but we got it done, and a lot of people still like that record, and that was kind of the jump start for this whole album. That was the first one. That's the one that Eric, I think, told us about, or Nick told us about. Nick, yeah, yep. when we had Nick Because it came out like a week after. I apologize. What's the, the name of the record? Yeah. It's called Wait For Me. That's it, Wait For yeah. Me. I remember Nick told us. Yeah. And then a week later came on the because I like I use Spotify New Music Friday and I saw it on my New Music Friday and I played it. I remember the blue album cover. I was on my it was on yeah, my yeah. I was on my TV <laughs> screen the morning I woke up. I was like, this is a fucking banger. Honestly, it was really cool because again, like it sounds different. Like it's got a it's such a maybe eclectic is the right word, but it's like different things brought together. And again, it has that like you, you do a great job of even that, that poppy feel, but the dance feel. 
like it's it, it's kind of a unique sound it's really and really cool like that was almost out of necessity because like you guys have talked to a bunch of my friends in the music business mm-hmm. they're good shout out if, all peter's friends if i just <laughs> yeah. put out songs like this guy and this guy and this guy it's not gonna work they already do it good enough like these guys make great dance songs the only way i was gonna stand out the only way i was gonna attract attention from labels and playlists and radio was doing something different and you guys know this with the podcast you know it with your app the reality is there's good enough dance music out there. The same dance song, there's a thousand of them from 10 yeah. times bigger artists. I should probably experiment or I'm not going to stand a chance. So it was it was because of inspiration, obviously, first. But out of necessity, you're just you're not going to stand out in this world. There's, what, 10,000 songs that get uploaded to Spotify every day. You're not going to hit a, a playlist if you don't bring something incredibly unique. You know? well, you're know. you going to look that up? Go, go well, I was going to say, I, that, I gotta, that, gotta, just on that point, like one thing that's really interesting is like, you, like a lot of people, I guess maybe not a lot of people. I don't want to, I, I generalize often. I'll, I won't say a lot of people, but it's it's true. Like without realizing that, I think people uh, in any doesn't matter what you do, to, what your craft is, whether you're an artist, whether you're you know an entrepreneur, or whatever it is. If you're trying to pursue something and and be known as like a creator, you have to create your own thing. Like there's only one Tiesto. There's only like there's only one Zuckerberg who built that. Like there's only one thing of that. Like okay, you can tweak it a little bit and be kind of similar, but to really stand out and to kind of hit that like virality, I guess you have to be your own person. If you guys were like, hey, check out my Cast app, it's like this photo sharing platform where everything's a square image. I feel like <laughs> like what? Instagram like, does it better. I'm like, I think these guys don't stand a chance. But what you guys are doing is totally different. So you guys are gonna carve out your own own lane. It's a tough lane to carve out oh, in music true. or in startups, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But if you are even a bit similar to the guys that already figured it out it's just it's not even worth it man yeah so i here's the the point i wanted to bring up there was a question on cast actually is it smart to start a business in an oversaturated industry since there's clearly a market there so it's an interesting question because obviously there's a market there and like you know edm there's obviously a market for it is it smart to start a business is it smart to do that well and i said yes but my comment was just make sure if you're going to start a business, do something that is different, better, or cheaper. So it's like you're doing EDM, but you're doing something different. You know there's a market for it. You know people like this music, want to hear this music. Okay, but what's going to separate you from the rest? Are you going to be cheaper? Well, music, you can't really do it cheaper because now it's as cheap as it's ever been. Are you going to do something that's better? Yes, that's the goal of any business to try and do something better. But you got to do something different. And that's what you're doing. That's what I fucking love. Yeah, that's amazing. I was just thinking, I'm like, we're so fucking lucky to sit down with such cool people. (laughs) 100%. Like as soon as you walked in, you're like, first off, it's the nicest dude ever. And second, like, this is cool. I heard, I heard a song. I texted George last week. I was like, yo, I heard Taxes' song on the radio. I'm like, it's just cool. That's like really good advice. But I would even argue that I don't think I could produce or write songs, quote unquote, better. I think I could hit that. But we're talking about some of the greatest producers in the world, the greatest songwriters in, on the universe. I think I can match them in terms of better or quality. But my only, my only saving grace, the only reason my songs on the radio, the only reason my songs hit millions of streams, because it's different. Because I can't do better. I don't believe I could do better than Diplo right now. Maybe in 10 years. But today... I am not just a the wealth better of knowledge than he blank. would have and know and what he's done. It's so you got to rock it different. And even you guys would like look at Facebook. They probably have what three thousand developers. You guys are probably not going to be better at speed on your app, true. but you could be different true. for now. Very true. So very true. It's all a good we way have to put it, man. That's great. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. We're off um, to a great start right I, now, boys. On, on that note, I wanted to ask, like you were saying, you don't consider yourself better than, and you just brought up Diplo. Who are some some producers that that influenced you, like early career? Who are some you look to now? Are they the same? Have they changed? 
So I grew up, I started as an intern at a hip-hop radio station in my hometown. So I grew up on hip-hop. Sorry, was is hip-hop big in Win- Winnipeg, Manitoba? Absolutely. Really? You grew up in Winnipeg? I grew up in Winnipeg. The peg. So, the peg. Do you who, know f- who came on here and talked shit about Winnipeg? <laughs> was it Liam Frazier? I know. Winni- I mean, it was Liam. Shout out to Liam. Yeah, He's like, do not go to Winnipeg. No, I, I got no. a funny story about Winnipeg. Anyways, sorry, yeah. So Winnipeg was voted the worst NHL city out of the 32 teams. Players, it was like... A unanimous, maybe not unanimous, but it was like 80% of players selected Winnipeg as the worst city to play in. That's tough. That's a tough one. That's like, no big. disrespect to Winnipeg. <laughs> no. Never been there, can't talk shit, but I just, I've heard some stuff. My, my whole album is called Welcome Home, and it's literally the contrast of love and hate in my hometown. Like, I grew Sick. up in a place that is the most beautiful, supportive, creative humans on earth, but also the most dark hateful at moments they're like what do you mean you're making music like don't even talk to us you've lost your mind so eat my whole album is about the early support then the criticism then the hey this is our guy then no he's never gonna make it so winnipeg is a very complex place they will love you at moments but they will bring you down because we didn't have an example like you guys have drake bieber party next door weekend tory lanes sean mendez like the list goes on where i'm from we, I didn't even know you could actually be a legitimate artist. I just thought this was a fun thing you did while you worked your job. I didn't even know there was a music industry in Canada. Like literally growing up, you don't even think this is real, which creates like very conflicting emotions. But also I'm kind of thankful of that mentality because I'm 16, 17 thinking I'm never going to make money in music. I'm never going to get famous off music. So why am I doing this? Because I really love it. Because if you come from a place like maybe New York, L.A., Toronto, you're like, oh, I'm going to get famous. Yeah. I'm going to make a million dollars. My, f- I didn't even know you can make like real money. You're really naive to all this stuff at the beginning. Where, where I'm from, there's no other option. Like the internet was kind of starting. You get a bit of information. There was no podcast to learn. There was no YouTube videos where you could hear artists talk. So I just had my surroundings, and my surroundings was, what are you doing with your silly hobby? So that's, that's kind so of the, the yeah, if you think framework. 10 years ago, 2010, give or take, you think about there weren't many people making it out of small towns. Like there was Bieber in Canada, but even then I'm he wasn't not sure. The, the, maybe week, I, the weekend was from Toronto. Drake, Toronto. Yeah, but still Toronto. GTA. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it, I don't know. Canada, yeah, I'm not sure. There's a lot of Canadian artists. When, like, I'm thinking of too. There's also country artists not thinking yeah. of all these no, things. No, I'm thinking right? like in pop, The ones you listed? Yeah, 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 for sure. Especially for, sure. for DJs. Or like if you're like a hip-hop producer. Like Dead Mouse was Toronto. If you're a hip-hop producer from Ontario, I know you could throw like a rock and you'll hit someone that's like, oh, I know Tory's blank. I know Party Next Door's engineer. Oh, I saw yeah. Drake 10 years ago. Where I'm from... If you even like had any, if you even went to a show, you were like felt like you were in the music industry. Okay. If you opened for someone, you know what I mean. So um, that created the idea that money wasn't going to be a part of this. So in my foundational years, starting this, I was okay being an intern. I was okay never making a dollar off this. So that kind of created like more of a purity in Good the thing because it didn't even feel Respect real. It. I don't even like the idea. Like if I thought I was going to make money off this, first of all, you should not get into music if you're trying to make money off it quickly. This is not a get rich quick <laughs> song. No, definitely not. So I, that's almost, coming from a guy who's had ra- yeah. who has radio hits too. So I'm, take I'm that for what for it is. Everyone listening to this, I'm thankful for that. So yeah, there. There was some really tough moments, obviously, coming from your hometown. It's like the boy who cried wolf. I'm like, guys, I'm making songs that are doing well on the internet. They're like, sure, sure, sure. And like, finally, like when I was like, I just turned 21, I did my first show in Vegas where I was like, okay, this is real. And then I moved. And now I have a, I've have closure on that. But it was really tough, man. When you're trying to make songs and you're trying to build your name and you're, you're building things 
and literally no one believes, <laughs> you almost feel kind of crazy. You almost feel like there were moments where I seriously was like, is there something actually wrong? Like this is, I don't want to get too deep. Like it's an Oprah. No, uh, no. What was that? With it. What was that Oprah um, interview where she's in the garden? This is how it feels right now. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, Megan and the, the royal interview. <laughs> I'm like about to cry. But um, back in my hometown, <laughs> it was like, nice it was like the boy who cried wolf where it's like, you just you kept being like no one believes i started asking myself i'm like am i weird do i have some sort of like get like imposter problem? syndrome almost am i just like why do i even think this is real even though i'd start seeing numbers online i would start like people started reaching out labels were kind of interested but it still didn't feel real because you could tell your friend and they're like what are you talking about um thankfully you know i have closure with that i love that town and i write about it in the album but oh that place built me man let me tell you, <laughs> you i want to just one thing i want to add on that too like you know you come from a town that you you kind of like say that that kind of was was instilled in you because of where you're from and your upbringing and all that stuff. I can tell you, I was born and raised in Toronto. Like I'm from the big city. From Greece, I'm from a very, very small town. So I know, that I see the like disparity. Oh shit, dude. Yeah, thanks Rick. Um, but I will say that, that that kind of feeling, I mean, I have it too. And I, I like, I mean, as like one of the co-founders and the CEO of Cast, like I am overly confident and beyond a shadow of a doubt believe that this like, Cast will, will change the internet, will change social media. I mean, we believed it from day one. one the first day, Ricky and I talked about it years ago. But still, every day, I still think, like, are we fucking insane? Like, how, like, because honestly, like that, and I, I think no matter what position you're in, like, you need to have that sense of doubt in, in, in a, to, to some capacity. People say, you know, you should be confident, you should be this. Yeah, for sure, you should. You should believe in your abilities, but you have to have a little bit of doubt to keep you humble and be like, okay, wait, am I crazy? Everyone's telling me I am crazy, but. I clearly wanted something. Okay, I got to work a little bit harder. I got to keep, like, you almost feel like you're trying to climb this hill and still prove yourself. And, like, it shouldn't just be about external validation to make you feel good, but it's still, like, you, like, having that little bit of doubt, I think, drives you. And I know, I know it helps me stay focused and stay driven, but I still, like, I have that. I'm from one of the biggest cities. I'm like, like, we're building something that has thousands of users now. And I'm like, I'm like, I go to Rick sometimes. I'm like, hey, are we nuts? That's, he's like, what are you talking about? Look at the use, look at the time on the app. And I was like, I know, but like, are we crazy? And he's like, no, we're okay. I'm like, okay, just checking. That's why I really hope that this album like relates to kind of everyone. Like everyone kind of feels like they're the underdog in so many moments. You guys are in startup culture. You guys are clearly underdogs. Even in podcasting, you guys are underdogs. In music, like we were on New Music Friday on yesterday for the new record and i'm looking at him like there's three j cole songs there's a drake Nicki minaj like i'm an underdog on this playlist right now so it's something i hope everyone could relate to in some way but it's it's a good thing because it's a meaningful journey like i told my team yesterday with the release day i was like guys we're on song four of this project and we're like we're killing it for four songs I was like, I hope you guys are ready because we're doing 400 songs. Like, and I'm so crazy where I'm like, guys, I'm literally gonna be doing this till I'm like Tieso's age. Like, I'm doing, I'm going till I'm 50. I, <laughs> I love this. This is like my whole mission. This is my purpose. Like, I couldn't even imagine. You know how like some people start a business, they'll love it for a year, then they're like, oh, this wasn't for me. They'll go to like a, a university course of like, oh, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to be a lawyer. Or you're in a relationship and you're like, I'm gonna be this person forever. And then six months later, you're like, I'm not going to be with this person forever. <laughs> Music is the only thing. We're 10 years deep. I'm like, oh, I could do 40 more years of this. I love That's that. That's sick, man. Good for you. I love that, man. You knew, so you knew always you wanted to be in music. It's the only thing that just didn't fade. Don't keep in mind, very stressful at times. <laughs> I've, I've had some lows in this industry, but I, I like would be cool being a 50-year-old DJ. Like, I'm cool. I got 25 more years in <laughs> We We that. literally talk about this all the time, and there's so many... <laughs> yeah, same. But there was for those listening, there was a car alarm outside the studio. That's why we had to close the window. But um, two, two things. First, a comment, then a question. 
And the comment is, so basically any musician is basically an entrepreneur. If you think about it, right? Like you're starting a business, your business is, you're not selling a product, you're selling a sound, a voice. You're a creator, I guess. They're all creators. Yeah, so, and in any business, which, you know, any creator is a business, it's all about sales. That's what everything comes down to. That's basically how the world revolves around sales. And with you, it's like you're trying to make these sales, you're trying to do these things, and every step is such a huge milestone for you. Every time you release a new song and you get X amount of downloads, that's another milestone, that's another sale, and that's it just keeps evolving and evolving and evolving. And we, uh, even with Cass, like, there's days where, as entrepreneurs, we're like, you know, like George said, are we fucking crazy? Like, are, how has this not been done? How are we doing this? How are we the ones that are, are trying to shake up the internet? How are we the ones that are trying to bring healthy discourse back to the internet? And there's days like this morning where we get an email from a random person that we have no idea who this is to me, George and DB, all the co-founders. And it's just like, I love what you guys are doing. This is amazing. Thank you so much for, for not only am I enjoying voting on things and, and having fun with it, but also for like my research, for my brand, for my consulting, yada, yada, yada. It's amazing. So there's days where you have the highs, the lows, and then you get stuff like that. And you're like, this is exactly why we do yeah, what we do. And it, as a musician, you probably get those messages from fans being like, I fucking love your shit. All the time. Yeah. And right? like the one thing like, everyone thinks I'm like making this up whenever I do interviews, but let's say I have like a thousand fans that really care. I think that's like so fresh. I know the goal is like to have like one, 10 million, whatever, but it's like, I have like a thousand people that they pre-save my song every time. They send me messages. They're like, yo, I like this part of the cover art. Like they dissect things. So like there's a small group of people and I really respect them and I'm, I'm hopefully going to make them proud um, during this album, man. Even if it's only a thousand of them and other people have a few million, you know? Yeah, man. Every single person, every single that like we have, I just checked yesterday, George, on YouTube, we have 480 subscribers. Those are 480 people that care about what me and this idiot have to say on a daily basis. Sometimes I barely care what I have to say. So, sometimes I can't even speak. Like, There's times where, during this podcast, I look and I'm like, how did I not say those words? I do my Instagram lives every Wednesday for, uh, for my cast of the week, Cast Corner. And I literally think about this. I'm like, I do this almost for a living and I still can't speak. How is this even possible? But there's people that want to listen to us speak each and every week. And back to my question that I did want to ask. The um, Do you think that it's different in Toronto than in Winnipeg in terms of support? Like I feel, personally, I feel that in Toronto, everybody wants to support each other because they want to be friends with the next big artist. Or they want to be like, oh, I was I was a fan of him for, or him or her, sorry. I was a fan of them first. I was, you know, I've been on this since day one. You know, our good friends of ours, Loud Luxury, I feel like they've, they've made it super famous and they've had so many good hits, you know, strong, strong tracks where it's because they've, they have such a big support system from Toronto. And it's like everyone from Toronto supports, shares, blah, 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 blah. And that's how they've kind of even blown up to these like superstardom. Do you think that it's a difference in Toronto versus Winnipeg? I think there's a underlying skepticism in everyone in Winnipeg because we haven't had that proof. When you do see someone like Loud Luxury, you see Drake, and it's just like, okay, we got this is the new version of that. Oh, Roy Woods? Okay, he's like, I kind of get it. He's around Drake. That makes sense. But they, it's still, there's a skepticism. You really have to prove yourself, and they're very critical until you haven't. And I think the first record with Tori, a lot of people are like, wow, this is these are some really big features to get for your first record. Okay, we're kind of feeling it. And then the last record, I mean, that song was my top three radio stations were Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Like they're playing it every hour across Canada. So that was a really big moment. So yeah, I mean, there's an underlying skepticism. You need to really prove it, not like kind of prove it. Like we, you got to prove it for these people. Uh, so I mean that, that line to enter is just probably a little bit higher there because they're skeptical and they don't have proof. But once you've proved it, like I'm already starting to see it. Like they're like, okay, like this is starting to become a real thing. So you're kind of legit. Now you kind of like, like, fine. Might like, be able to, okay, the last career. five years, 
years. I know we said you're washed, but it's like now we're like, we're kind of buying into this. We get it. So. Do you have any like high school friends that randomly hit you up or you're like, oh, now you're jumping on the bed. Oh, for sure. For <laughs> sure. But I also don't, like I said, the whole thing, like we didn't have an example. So I don't blame anybody that didn't see the vision because nice yeah, I was the nice, only guy. It's a very nice statement to make. A lot, it, it was impossible to see the vision from where we we're from. So like I, I respect it. And, you know, one day when things reopen, I'll, I'll do a nice show there and hopefully make them proud and just keep putting out good songs. That's dope. George, you ever been to Winnipeg? Never. We're fucking going. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that show will go 100%. We will that's go no doubt. Like that's not even a joke. We'll come and do a podcast. We'll do everything. Love there. it. That's Deal. it. I'm right, mad. I'm, I'm dying it. to go to Winnipeg. Let's do it. Winnipeg <laughs> Blue Bombers. Heck yeah. Let's go. Howdy. Did you start as a uh, DJ or producer? Like what did I started as, well, I said a radio intern. Then they eventually let me on air. Then they let me in like music meetings to start saying what I thought was like cool in high school. Oh. And then I was a radio DJ. So I was like hip hop DJ, hip hop club. It was strictly hip hop, my high school experience. I went to a festival a girl brought me to a festival when I was in like, I was probably like 17, 18. And I'm used to like DJing hip hop shows. So there's tension. I know when I'm playing like party up into like a big show, like when I'm playing aggressive records, like ludicrous into party up, like when I'm playing those records, I feel the tension in the club. That's, that was my experience as this like hip hop DJ. I just thought these rooms are tense. Sometimes there's fights. People are usually angry in the back corner. That's what it is. I loved it. It was hip hop. And then I went to this festival. <laughs> that's not the hip hop I think about. That's crazy. I think about like hip hop. Like, yo, pour some Hennessy. Like, yo, let's, let's party. I that love was, that. I guess the pegs pretty got some it was, tension. Eh? There, there's some tension at the clubs I was playing. I'm fun. Then I go to a festival because this girl's like, yo, come to this dance music festival. Oh, I'm like, what happens. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm by a woman. Eh? I'm like, I'm listening to J. Cole nonstop. I'm listening to like just hip hop. This is like, what do you mean? I go to this festival and like, everyone's like laughing everyone's smiling there's people hugging i'm like there's no tension here what's going on why haven't i seen one fight <laughs> the production's like crazy they got like lasers i'm like oh i want to be a part of this in some way so that's when i pivoted when i was like 17 18 and i was like how can i try to start playing some of these shows opening for some of these shows now maybe making music remixes and it's evolved from there but wow. you know i started as a hip-hop kid man what was your first ever track it was a hip hop record. I used to put out like hip hop mixtapes with local rappers and they would get like 12 plays on SoundCloud and they were literally unaudible. They were really? literally, <laughs> they were literally like, I scraped most of them off the internet. I feel like some are like lingering on some YouTube pages, <laughs> but no, I was like any local rapper that would like come to the studio. I'd be like, yo, I made this beat, like rap on it. Let's just go. No one cared. Everyone thought it was the most ridiculous thing, um, but it was fun, man. You know, Peter, did you know that George actually has a couple tracks on SoundCloud? I believe that. A couple mashups. <laughs> I love it. Back in my day. I so I'll, I'll tell a story since George has told it so many times. <laughs> so when uh, when we were at school together, I was a promoter. And we had like me and my my buddy Alexander, my partner, we had that Toronto crowd. And, you know, there's guys that have the London crowd. Yeah. But our, our crowd was like that Toronto crowd. So me and George became friends. The first year, George started DJing. So George became our DJ, right? Any party that we threw, George was on. In fourth year, uh, a guy named Matty Samaras from Toronto opened the club in London with uh, Sean Greek guy and a bunch of guys uh, <laughs> called Cobra London. Well, Cobra, and it was in London. Uh, they had a Cobra Toronto as well. So it was basically that me, Moretti, my partner, and then this guy, Ollie Shanks, had the Friday nights. And it was just us, and it was our, our night, and it was all EDM music. So we said, okay, if we're going to do this, we need George to DJ. George is our, our boy. He's got to be the resident DJ. And we had a whole bunch of DJs coming through there, like legit big-name DJs. And Georgie's our opener, right? Every time, and if there was no DJ, he would headline. It was his show. Well, fast forward to that year, George started making some mashups. And looking back on him, the mashups probably weren't that good. But they're, at no, that time, they're not bad. 
They were bangers at the time. Oh, if you put, I've listened to them recently. They're not Man. bad. Like George the, would play the, them, the, 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 and the girls would not great on them. George, George would play them like on the nights where we had no big headliner because it was basically a mashup of like the top five songs at the time. Like but two if, songs, it was a bootleg. It was anyways. So we'd have like if George was headlining that night, he would play at like twelve thirty. Clubs packed, and he plays it, and like people are going nuts. Good feeling. Literally going nuts. Good feeling. And I'm in the DJ booth. I'm like, oh, this idiot's fucking got the people going nuts right now. What the hell's going on? <laughs> Gotta have an ear for it, man. <laughs> Gotta know how to find the right songs. But honestly, I uh, yeah. So I used to obviously DJ, and like I started. That's how I, I got into it around the time when like house music was like really growing. Like I went to my first time was seeing first time seeing an EDM concert. I saw Dead Mouse play at the government. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. Like this guy played. Like people are listening to this. Like what guy hitting buttons? Like people are watching him. Like it's not a band. So I started coming up through that. Swedish House Mafia was like my my shit. Um, like I remember seeing them like they would because around that time they were the, like the mainstream like really big EDM household name. They were releasing like videos, following them on tours and all that. I was like, this is this is incredible. Yeah, like I was like, this is the life. Like playing Miami, Ibiza, like all these. So this is crazy. The song Miami to Ibiza. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, the year before they started doing it when one came out. The year before Miami to Ibiza, they released one at uh, Miami Music Week. Anyways, there was a whole thing. Where's I going with this? But yeah, so I saw this and I was like, that's when I started to come up. I started to come up into music and I was like, oh, like you can do this for a living. You can DJ and play shows or whatever. So I used to be like, I played instruments through school. I was like, okay, I can pick this up. It's tempo, whatever. I have an ear for music. Started DJing a little bit. I sucked at the beginning. Fucking sucked. Like when I say I sucked, I sucked for a while. Like I, at one point I would, when I had that residency, like at that point I was, a, I, I would think I was a pretty no, good you were DJ. Good. You were good by that. I knew how to work a crowd. But I also had an ego, so I knew how to work a crowd to be like the headliner. When I had to open for a bigger headliner, I still thought I was the headliner. I remember Max Vangeli. I was literally going to say, this is the story. You obviously know who Max Vangeli is. Of course, yeah. I know. I opened for him on a Friday. This is like my third week opening at Cobra. One of the early- They were still spelling his name wrong on the flyers. Yeah, I was so pissed. Like, it was bad. That. But anyways, like the third week, so I had I opened for like one other person before that. Tim Mason. Yeah, and like I'd opened previously for like Data Life and some others, but I it was a bigger show. This one I was like, oh, I'm the resident. I can do whatever I want. And I'll never forget, I was playing like at like a 128 BPM, some mainstream banger, and Max Vangeli's about to come. He taps me. He's like, hey. He's like, you want to bring it down a little bit? Like, I'm about to go on. Like, you're playing like what I would play. I was like, I was like, uh, cool, was- Max. <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, shit. And I remember, Get out of here. This and my, I remember, this is my I, show. I told Ollie, like, I always bring this up with him. He, Ollie came to me after I came off the decks, and he's like, man, you got to really know how to, like, work a crowd. Like, taking them on a journey, not just hitting them for, like, an hour and a half with bangers. Um, but, anyways, like, it was a really good time. And, like, that's, I really did love doing it. Like, I really, I would have loved to pursue a career in it, but I knew where I was going with my career. Like, I knew I was going to the business world, into family, my, my family's business, but. There's times now when I look back and I'm like, fuck, I wish I stuck with it. Because I was like in the thick of it. Like I was like coming up when the house was getting big, all these things. And in hindsight, oh, no regrets. But would have been cool to stay Hey, with man, it. if this album, you know, connects, reach out to Eric. You could do some opening spots. And <laughs> we'll fuck. bring it hey, back, man. Eric, you hear that? We'll Yo, Eric, back. I used to DJ with Eric. I'm singing that. Shoddy, I'm a, a no, vocal on the record. Go, it's actually. funny you bring up the, the opening. That was another like benefit. I'm going to shout out Winnipeg, this whole thing. One wow, amazing benefit from being a DJ that no one cared about was I played countless free gigs for 20 people. So I had to learn, like, when you have 20 people in a venue, if you play one wrong song, they're gone. It's 14. <laughs> and one more, <laughs> you got 11. And you can watch it. You're it's like, ah, oh, shit. If you drop three wrong songs, you have literally shut down a venue. So, like, <laughs> I have this experience from 18 to 20 where it was just like, 
every song you can't make a mistake because no one cares you're not playing pack venues you're doing it for free and i was like fighting just to do it for free so when i eventually like when i did get opening slots when i did start playing in vegas i started to really understand when is it time for me to be the star when is it time for this to be about the room so i had a lot of opening opportunities where i would like i knew how to keep it but it was all about respect because i had to lead up to the next guy and then like especially in Vegas that was like okay now it's open format time now I'm gonna slow it down next 15 I know this guy's on it's all about just setting up for him just we're friends after I know my role but then I played EDC Mexico in 2018 and for that it was that's sick that was there's no we're going 100% 100% 100% hard 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 because it's a festival so I knew so like one of the real benefits of like DJing when no one cared in a small market was understanding is it my time to be this guy or is it my time to is am I a star today or am I just like playing my role and that was like a huge lesson like that was like the most valuable lesson I, I got so many gigs in Vegas based on the fact that I knew how to respectfully open that's really cool. Um, so that so when and you said your first time opening was five years ago in Vegas, twenty I turned twenty one and literally two weeks after I had my first show in Vegas. And how did that come about and like where did where'd you play? Like- so I had a I had a remix that was really big. I was in a group and we had a remix for it was called Never Forget You, the song Never Forget You was Zara Larson. And why do I know that I know song? That song too. I have this like theory and you guys tell me if, if I'm tripping on this theory with with your app. Hey, you're a fucking great guest. Eh? Well, like asking yeah. us questions. Yeah, and honestly, you're really, it's really nice. I, like, I was just thinking about this because we we've done so many virtuals lately, and don't get me wrong, all the guests we've had virtually have been amazing. And I always say to George, I'm like, we need that person in the studio because when we do them virtually, it's an interview. It's not as much of a conversation. Yeah. This to me is like a fucking real conversation. It's just like legit pals. And for those who don't know, this is our first time meeting Peter. Am I allowed to say your first name? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, but you, right. you, go Ta- you go by Takis? Yeah, Takis mostly. Well, I just, yeah, I just, Peter, we're, so. we're friends now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're boys <laughs> now. Yeah, we're pals. Um, but yeah, it's like, fuck, this is like what we want to do. We yeah. want to have friendly conversations. We don't want to interview people. We want to have conversations. Sorry, I just hijacked your point. Continue. So my theory, going back to like the first opportunity in Vegas, I believe, and you guys let me know about the app. I believe they used to tell me, and I used to have this belief when I was younger, that slow growth is real. I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be 1%. I'm going to get 100 plays, then 150, then 200, then two. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And that's how I've stayed like focused. But I actually believe that everything's slow until it's fast. I don't believe in the 1%, 1%, 1%. I believe in the 0.1, 0.1, down, down, down. Then Yeah, you hit an inflection point. So I'm in Winnipeg and I, I'm thinking everything's going to be like, hey, we're getting 1,000 plays. Then next time we're going to get 2,000 plays. So I'm putting out all these remixes, bootlegs, no one cares about. What and was then, the name of the remix and bootlegs? Like It was called Never Forget You, and it was a Price and Tackus remix. Price and, Tackus. and we put it out, on, it was on YouTube, and and like I'm not joking, all of our remixes were doing 1,000 plays. I think it has like 200 million YouTube views, right? What? I'm, gonna, I'm going to YouTube. Go to YouTube. I was, so, on, I was on Apple Music. So we put that out, and all of a sudden, like I literally wake up, and it was just like, oh, every DJ's playing it. It's viral on YouTube. Wow, this is crazy. Managers start reaching out. Agents start reaching out. And that was Holy just the first shit. opportunity. 228. It's crazy. Yeah, I may have heard it before. Two- I don't of know. If course, I, of course, I get an ad. Of course wait, I can we play it on this, or we get stopped by like YouTube or a thing where they shut it down? I know we don't monetize anyway, so it doesn't make a fucking difference. We don't monetize on YouTube, but yeah, whatever. So that that remix alone, just because all the DJ support, uh, it led to my first shows in Vegas, playing Beyond Wonderland, playing EDC, and Come on. getting my first deal. And that was a really cool thing. We were just like remix DJs, obviously. And I don't want I don't want the background mics to pick it up. I think I know it. Yeah. I know this song. 
forget you. Oh yeah, I do remember this one. Is it this? Is it drop heart? Wait, I... we're gonna play it till the memories, drop. man. There's actually a fake drop on that too. Really? Oh, I, I think fall, I know I this fall for the fake drop every remix. time. Trying to remember if I would have had this in my playlist. I still DJ after you though. I still DJ every now and then. Oh, that's pretty. See, I would have pressed never, the confetti already. Heard, I don't think I've heard this. I would have pressed the CO2 by now. <laughs> yeah, tell the story about. Dude, that's fucking hot. I've never heard this. I think I have actually. Like yeah. I think uh, Diplo played it. Yes, so a bunch of guys played it. So that must have been a kid from Winnipeg. Million views. Fuck kid from Winnipeg being like, "What the fuck?" That was like the moment. And but we were still just remix guys. Like all we cared about was making remixes. We didn't understand the real music business. Mm -hmm. I didn't know songwriting, which is like the hardest part of all of this. Mm -hmm. And then now as like a solo artist, I'm like, okay, now like remixes are easy. I figured that out. I've had some viral remixes. Now I want to make my own songs. I want to make my own songs that matter where I write the song and it's zero scratch. It's ours. It's my story. It's my album. So yeah, that's how it all started, man. It was like it's slow crazy. until it's fast. Do you guys believe, uh, agree with that? I, I do. Yes. Um, I do. And, and, in the settings we're talking about, I do like I I do know the school of I do agree with the school of thought where the compounding growth where that's like the war like let's call it Warren Buffett. It's when you're trying to make money. The best way to make money long term is compound, right? Compound interest, one percent compounding year over year is not one percent, one percent, one percent. It's like one one point whatever, and it goes. That doing that is a smart, safe way to make money, invest all those things. But if you're talking about virality and like trying to trying to hit up like make something pop and take off. I do believe it. Like you want to see, you'll see like slow to no. You'll see very steady growth. But if you're gonna be the next big thing or you're gonna be the next big app, it's gotta hit an inflection point where it just starts going like this, boom. and then it goes exponential growth. I'm rate. sure Clubhouse had a moment where it was cool, oh, cool. Sure. Then boom, one month it, it was what a million well, users. But one thing actually on that we were talking about it off air. But one thing I wanted to mention. So, regards to Clubhouse, they they were like in a, under a year they went from like nothing to 100 million, one billion, four billion. But the crazy thing is they hit 4 billion valuation in February. February to March, they lost 70% of downloads. People, there's there's a correlation, I think, because the U.S. opened up opened everything up in yeah, March. Yeah. A lot of people stopped going on. So it's interesting because they had a crazy inflection point, but then you just started dropping off again on the backside of it. Um, so that's the other hard thing, right? Like when you hit that inflection point, it's one of the big things that's a little bit scary. You have to be kind of prepared for it, I think. And actually, we've had a lot of artists come on here, and they've a lot of said the same thing. A song takes off, and they didn't expect it to, and then it's like, oh, we have nothing else in the hopper, nothing ready to go, all those things. The same goes for like like an app, like Clubhouse. They were up to like 10 million users, so it was like 1,500 at their first round, uh, first round of funding where they got validation. Then they were up to like 2 million users. Then they were, then everyone heard about it. Then they're up mm -hmm. to 8 million, 10 million. And then month over month, they their downloads drop seventy percent. You only have one real chance, not always, but oftentimes one chance to make a first impression. Once you do that and you lose that like value, how do you gain it back? That's why everyone jokes about one hit wonders, man. It's because it's almost impossible to get one hit, and it's super almost impossible for two. Back. To oh back. yeah, for yeah, sure. Oh, never. Yeah, it's got to be like the odds are like. It's like again starting a business. Like it's like the odds, but probably even harder than that because like. Honestly, probably harder because you don't need any money to start like to go and produce. I mean, not necessarily. You need like to, the gear and equipment and all that stuff and the technical ability. But like, I'm sure a lot of people pump out. There's probably more music pumped out on a daily basis than, than companies started in the world. I would guess. For sure. Definitely. For so sure. to have a hit, something that people are like, wow, this makes me feel good or happy has got to be, I don't even know how damn hard that is. But to have two, like, fuck, that's it's crazy. Yeah, but, but even that idea, it's like once you hit that inflection point, okay, what's next? 
are you going to drop off and be a one hit wonder or do you have something to follow up? And we, we talked about a lot of luxury, so we can use that example. It's like when they had fill me in with Ryan Shepard and we had Ryan Shepard on this podcast a couple of times. He, Ryan Shepard admitted, he goes after fill me in. He's like, I wasn't expecting it to be a massive hit. I had nothing to follow it up with. And it's like, you know, he had this, you know, big success. TS was playing it, then drops off a little bit. Whereas loud luxury released body six months, a year later and boom, now they're, yeah. they're massive, right? Yeah, and a lot, a lot of it just comes with experience and age because when that happened, I was 20 years old from a town that didn't I didn't have That's a mentor so and I was just like thrown in the biz. Now I'm 26. I have an amazing team around me that is more experienced than me. I have mentors around me. I get it. So when things go well, we have a big radio record. We get big playlists. I'm like, okay, we can take a deep breath. Oh, Tori gets cleared. Oh, he's down to do a song. Okay, take a deep breath. We got a long journey. So like a lot of his maturity. And on that note, we talked about Loud Luxury a lot. Those guys deserve even more credit than they're getting for what they've done yeah. that truly i believe that F- funny fact Good guys that- really and one thing I, I mean i can't speak to it much on the techno side maybe it's what like i'm mean, if that's what you're referring to as well i used to play with joe back in the day when i back when i used to open and i don't mean this disrespectfully at all i know joe's not <laughs> listening but joe played before me when i used to dj and i'm not saying that's because i was better than him by any means but like he was the one that like would play the shows when it was ricky's show we'd play together like he'd play, we'd alternate sometimes back and forth. Like I'd go open before him, whatever. But a lot of times I would get lucky because I knew some more people. So I'd get to play kind of the more prime slots. The connections, yeah. Yeah. But Joe, like good on him, man, stuck with it. And Grinded I will tell you, Dave, like we yeah. always say this. I don't, I didn't know Andrew University, but Joe has not changed in the slightest in terms of how he's a, as a person. Those guys are super famous, <laughs> like super famous. Yeah. Every time we see them anywhere, they are so friggin' nice. They're, they're like their managers, everybody, like they're the whole team. They all came up together like, Man, they're, uh, yeah, good for so them. I guys, wish them all the success. Though. Those guys, in many ways, I always try to shout them out. And, and guys like Ryan and all these people you've talked to, Frank as well. But oh, in terms of loud luxury, like those guys really gave me a lot of information and a blueprint about how you could be a pop dance DJ. They showed that, hey, you could be on radio and everyone in the country knows your song, but you also have to show love to dance music and live. Yeah. So like those guys, um, they deserve a lot of respect, man. I I don't know. We haven't been outside much. I assume Toronto loves those guys, yeah, but yeah. those guys, uh, it, what they did proved a lot, even to me, being like, oh wow, you can have a pop hit as a DJ that's on the radio, and you're you're cool. So that that was really important. So funny cool. story about about them, and then kind of even the drop. So when we were in uh, maybe two years ago now, two summers ago, we were in Ibiza for my birthday, 2018. Beautiful. Was it 2018? So three years ago now. Uh, so sorry. I, 2019. Regardless. A couple years ago. Uh, Joe and Andrew FaceTime me for my birthday. Blah, blah, blah. Happy birthday. Where we had are just you? seen like Kygo or someone. Yeah, like, we're in Ibiza. Like we just so came back to like the we're, hotel. We're leaving Ibiza because we got like three days left on our trip, four days left. So we were going to go to Barcelona, spend like a good wholesome four days there, you know, chill, kind of relaxing. Yeah. And they're like, uh, we're in Copenhagen. You should come. We're like, well, Copenhagen's east. We need to go west to Canada. Uh, and our flight's out of Barcelona. Yeah. It wasn't three days. It was two days. We had one day in Barcelona. The next day we flew home. So we had 48 hours till we had to leave to go home. Yeah, you're right. So it was like a sun. It was like a Friday and we fly home on Sunday from Barcelona. We're in Ibiza, 40 minutes from Barcelona. Now you can say So then he's like, you're not going to come to Copenhagen to watch our show. So you like, won't. You won't do like, it. Yeah, we're playing this radio show. And I'm thinking radio show. Okay, like you're in a little studio kind of similar to ours, just, you know, DJing yeah. on the radio, whatever. You won't come. We're playing this like cool nightclub after. We're like, yeah, we're not coming. He's like, you won't come. 25 year old, you would come. And I'm like, oh, fuck, don't start this. So we get on the phone. We flip a coin. We end up. We end up going. To no, we said like, yeah, like we'll flip this coin. We look, we look at each other like, we'll flip this coin if it's whatever. I'm like, call it heads. We go tails. We don't or something. We flip, flip it, it and I catch it. And I'm like, 
all right, fuck, we got to go. So we started booking flights. We're still like drunk. We're like booking flights, <laughs> booking ready flights to go. Points, booking hotels. With 48 hours to have to fly home, we were planning to go back a three-hour flight to Copenhagen in Denmark, up in Scandinavia, back down to Barcelona to go home. And there's no connecting flights. So we were like, there's no direct flights. So it's all connecting flights. What a terrible Whatever. idea. Yeah, long story short, the, the point I was getting at is we're at the nightclub after this radio show, which was turned out it was a radio festival, not a radio show. Massive. So we're in this like cool little nightclub, like 500-person nightclub, two levels, kind of like a, a massive house, just empty in the middle. So Greg, who's also a good buddy of ours now just because of the boys. And shout out Greg DeCaria, man. You're a good dude. We love you. He's actually going to be working for Live Nation once things open oh, up again. Oh, cool. And uh, so I'm like, Greg, you know, let me press the CO2 button. I'm like, fuck, I just want to press the button. I'm like, it's... It is literally the CO2 button is exactly what you think it would be like. A red it is button like a this fucking big. gray box with a red button. It's exactly what you think the CO2 button would be. So I was like, Greg, I mean, he's like, hey, you know how to do it, right? I was like, yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> Don't I miss the drop? It was like one of those ones where it's like, build up, build up, pause, drop, and I hit it on the pause. Oh, wow. It's so, a rough time. <laughs> it's bad. I, just, it's like, I, actually, I hit it the whole time. So I'm like, the drop's got to come. Funny story, then when they played in Toronto... Uh, the the Christmas show before COVID uh, shut down the world. We're on we're on backstage again. I'm like Greg, yeah, let me hit the seal too. He's like Rick, you have to get it right this time. I'm like, no, I got it, I got it. Obviously, I'm halfway in the bag, and they played. It was ironically, I think it was the same song. I can't remember what it was. So he's like, Rick, you got something? Like, yeah. The fake drop comes, and we look at each other. I'm like, I got it. And then the drop. Goes, <laughs> Anyways, fun fact. That was I'm, honestly really fun. Rick's terribly like I have zero musical talent, like absolute yeah, zero. zero. He has a good memory though. I'm glad you guys took that trip. You have that memory. Oh, that, that was that, that was an absolute. You would have begged. You gotta let me. Who's your Eric? Let me hit the CO2 button. I won't <laughs> fuck this up. <laughs> Eric's definitely not gonna let you do it after hearing that story. No, Eric's Yo, definitely buddy. gonna let me do it. Eric, come on, buddy. Oh, no, Peter can override Eric to let me hit the CO2 <laughs> yeah, button. CO2. Um, I want to jump back and talk about Vegas because that's really cool. You got to play there, like so. When you got after your first show, so your first time you played in Vegas, you played a club or you played a, a festival? Your I first played uh, Marquee Las Vegas, so a nightclub in the Cosmopolitan. Sick. That was yeah, where I was cool mostly club. playing. Yeah, beautiful club. Love that place. So and your first show there was an opening show. First show, opening. Take set. us through that. What was that? What was that like? I mean, do you remember it well? Or? Yeah, I, th- I think I was nervous. I knew the gravity of the situation. I had a day club show the next night, so I was doing nightclub Marquee club. Pool. Yeah, on the day lost on the best. Next one. So I knew the gravity of the show because I wanted to make a good impression on the promoter. They clearly took a chance on me. Like, I think I was opening for Carnage, maybe. Wow. Or Galantis. It was it was Galantis or Carnage, and I knew that they were taking a huge chance on me. Like no one, like I had a hot remix. No one knew my music. No one cared about my music. So I took it very seriously, and I just, I think I spent, I found out about it two weeks prior, and I spent two weeks just really grinding out at a respectful open format set, and I had a little couple SOS records if I was going too hard, or a couple SOS if I was going too soft, <laughs> and I just like really just tried to respect that set, did my best. I don't think I was that nervous because I was very well prepared. When you, I, I could sense from where I was from doing 10 person shows in Winnipeg, I was like, okay, I'm not going to dis, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to like, I'm going to get a good sleep. This isn't a party. I'm going to like respect the people that gave me this opportunity. So I don't think I was nervous. I was excited. I felt like, I felt like I was going to put it together a good set, put it together. It was, it was almost mechanical. I didn't want to mess anything up. Obviously now I have a lot more fun, but yeah. set one to 10 in Vegas was I am here just business to do a good job and thank everyone and I'll go to the <laughs> dinner and be like thanks for the opportunity oh these guys are on next I'm gonna wind it down so um 
yeah, at the start, I don't think there was nerves because I was so prepared. I, I recognized, even though I was 21, just turned 21, I recognized the gravity of the situation. <laughs> I recognized cool, yeah. where I'm from. This wasn't supposed to happen, so I'm not going to take that shot of Grey Goose. I'm going to say no, thank you. I'm going to show up early. I'm make sure everything's all good. So That's, so inter- that's really interesting because a lot of people, yeah. myself included, when I was playing for like Max Vangeli, I was like, chill, Max, I got this. <laughs> like it's, But you don't realize it. Like A lot of... Again, not gonna judge, but like you can get caught up in that, right? Like when you start getting some fame, you start getting some celebrity, and you're young, and like you know, people are calling you left and right, left, right, and center, and you have that that kind of the spotlight kind of being like thrust upon you. It can really get to your head, right? Like you make, oh, like I mean, I'm telling you, full transparency. If that was me, and I got that opportunity in Vegas, I'd be like, Rick, we're going to Vegas, <laughs> be hammered in the booth, DJ, this is my show. Not to that capacity, but I like you just be. you get caught up in it, right? And I think like. By doing so, you have that short sighted where it's like, wow, this is the moment. So you take the moment for granted. Or you don't take it for granted. You get like too caught, consumed by it, and you kind of lose sight of like the end goal and get like all absorbed by it, right? So the fact that you can kind of see the finish line where you're like, I'm 21, this is great, I love this, but I want to get farther to yeah. here. Like, it's hard to do at that yeah. age, especially like Vegas is like, to, to play a show in Vegas is like, then probably, I wouldn't say the pinnacle of North America's festivals are bigger. Yeah. But like as a residency, we're all like Miami maybe have to have a residency, but like Vegas is like yeah. To me, if if you're playing a headlining set in Vegas, you've hit the pinnacle of yeah. Yeah. That's what I yeah I would say yeah. Whether it's the the guaranteed crowds, several thousand, the production quality, even how competitive it is. Like to be an opener, there are huge names that open in Vegas. They're like big names, guys with hit records that are openers in Vegas. That's how big that market is. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, I just recognize the gravity. I tried to respect it. I thank the promoter. I thank the people Good for favorite. giving me an opportunity. Hold the mic adjusted a little bit, so it's like tilted more. Yeah. There we go. Good. Right there. there. We go. We're good. Beauty. Got it. Yeah. I just saw it there. Perfect. Good. Sorry, but yeah, that's uh good for you for like. I, I think it was also once again from where I'm from. Uh, I always thought I was like, yeah, wait, I'm allowed to play in this venue. You're gonna let me open for these legendary DJs. I'm I'm gonna practice for the next two weeks. I'm gonna make sure this set is flawless. You're not gonna hear a single error. I'm gonna know when I gotta wind it down. I'm gonna thank the <laughs> headliners. So That's yeah, awesome, it was just man. it was just I recognized the gravity of it. And I, I did for the majority of that run with that whole remix wave we had. I just like I told you guys before is I barely drank. I just like I do have fun and I loosen up now as I've more experience with I I kind of recognize the crowd and I, I have to be a part of their wave party wise. But it's like, yo, man, I recognize I don't have a global hit. I might have a Canadian hit right now, but I don't have a global hit. I don't deserve to be on this stage. So I'm gonna respect this stage. Maybe if I have a global hit, I start getting gassed up. I don't know. <laughs> but for right now, I just I'm very self aware with where I'm at and I'm gonna respect every stage that I get. Good for you, man. I love that, man. <laughs> it's really it's really hard to have humility in anything, and like the fact, like honestly, man. Hey respect. man, this next record starts speeding up, and I start unfollowing <laughs> people. <laughs> the pals are gonna catch it. Hey, uh, hey, you wanna come back on? Sorry guys, call my agent. We'll, yeah. we'll talk. We'll talk in a year. <laughs> so it's easy to say now, but we'll see, man. No, but you Try know what? Not. Listen, You're you seem guy, to have man. a really good head yeah. on your shoulders. Like I, I don't doubt that. I mean, obviously, it's nice to see someone like you that has a good head, like can see all this stuff, and like. you're someone who's easy to root for like you want to see these things happen because you're just like you're a good person and you're like you clearly love what you do you're not doing it for the wrong reasons like you're you're humble all these things like good for you and you know it pops and you get gassed up good you deserve it a little bit man you you should should have a little bit of fun and like enjoy the moment but honestly man really cool really cool way you look at it that's awesome i I love it uh so peter what's what's next for you what's literally what i was just gonna ask what's 2020 we're on the same vibe 
so the album's this summer. It's called Welcome Home. It's my debut album. And I know everyone says this in interviews. Every artist in history has said this. But your debut album takes your whole life to make. And I really mean that. Like, I'm 26. It took 26 years of life experience to write the songs you're going to hear on the album. It took 26 years of failure, ups and downs, for me to attract the features I have on this album. It took 26 years to have the label support. So, like, this album is, like, it's a big one for me. It's two-year mission. There's four songs that have come out this summer, the full project, some more big features on the way, another big radio record coming. So it's the album. And depending on how the state of the world, hopefully I could tour that album. What uh, can you give us any insight into who else is on it? How many tracks? What, When's what this coming out? This will be coming out Monday. 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 Okay. You, so can, was, you can't. Don't worry. Two you days. Can't, yeah. you can't say anything. Don't worry. Two I, days I, from now. I don't want to say it just yet, but um, I have a record. The next record in about four or five weeks with a DJ that is Canadian that I deeply, deeply respect, who's been a part of some of the biggest records in dance music, and that'll be announced soon. But I, I thankfully, I don't even know how. I know like a lot of it is my team. I got to shout out Eric, Roger, and Nick. I know that I make great songs, but those guys have been able to introduce me to people that I shouldn't be introduced to, whether it was Always Never, Jamie Fine, or this person I'm t- alluding to. Those guys were like, hey, Takis, he has a cool story. He's a great artist. Give him a shot. Like Those guys really helped crack the door open, and then I ran through it. So I have a lot of uh, features I'm proud of on this album, and, and I really hope I could, I could tour it, and I, I, I have hope for September or so when the world yeah. slowly reopen, I can start seeing across Canada. You know, well, I we'll hope so, there. man. You know, we'll be hundred percent. We'll be there. Right. And I'll tell you right now, you play Vegas again, we'll be front row. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, not front row. We'd be in a booth somewhere. Yeah, of, course. <laughs> of course. Sorry, Rick. Yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be front row. I'll, I'll stand right in front. Yeah, there, George but, even less like, no. like, yo, don't step on my shoes. <laughs> no, but honestly, yeah, I obviously, hopefully it seems like good timing and maybe that's how things work out. Right. Like maybe it's how it's supposed to be and good for you to like having it released down summer hopefully but brighter days like on the back end of this and like back end of the summer and get a tour get get a I've tour been going see, again. like also i've been seeing the u.s open wide open right there's fucking part you see miami like and fucking live there's nightclubs. like there's two different like i have two different friend groups one group gets angry when they see that because they're like why aren't we doing that but me it's just pure hope i'm like oh that's gonna happen to us that's yeah. that's about to happen to us so. dude we're gonna have like <laughs> we're gonna have like a hundred festivals a summer here by it. next summer like every weekend people are just gonna be people are not gonna take any day for granted we're gonna find ways to go to work and go out every single night of the week they're gonna be out wanting to like to dance in, in parks and and like watch people watch bands and djs and all this stuff like people are gonna be out i honestly think for the foreseeable future once hopefully god forbid everything gets better and it ends and like it's like okay we're all clear. You, like, there's no risk of it coming back. It's open for good. There's going to be like a good t- 48 months, if not more, of just pure like people want to party and have you fun. Four and years? 48. Did I do bad math? 24 months. My apologies. My apologies. Bad math. It's a long run. I was like, did I, I do bad four math? Years? Four years of every day. <laughs> Sorry. I meant two I meant 24. Good, yeah. I, I'm like, did I, I do bad that. math? Did Rick do bad math? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not the bad Rick's math Rick's the guy. math guy. Rick's the math guy. We talked about like radio earlier, but like when I was doing all the shows and festivals, I was a remixer. Literally. All I was was a remixer. So I was remixing other people's songs. Now that like I have a record on the radio and probably a second one that's about to come, I'm going to like play shows where people are going to like sing along. So that's like crazy to me Yeah, where it's like, oh wow, that's the power of radio where people are going to know the words to my song, not a remix, not the hottest record. I'm not going to pull back a song. It's a hit. No, my song they're going to know. That's so that's cool. a big thing. And that's what like goes back to talking about pop. 
I want to have pop hits. So when I go play live, these people know what they know that's what I'm cool. playing and I could proudly play my own music. One, that's one thing, sorry, we never said, but like I, now I see what you mean at the beginning about like it's how it's just like different to have a song on the radio. No discredit to anybody who releases music on Spotify and all those things, but because of the internet and the and like the platforms they have, it's I think I guess easier to easier than traditional radio to get a song to get some streams and all totally. that stuff. But now like to have your song on the radio is still gotta be like iconic and the feeling's gotta be huge. Insane. That that record changed my life. And now every radio that song not only in Canada was a radio hit, it performed in Germany, it performed in multiple countries. Wow. So now there's like program directors and radio stations that are like, oh, we've heard of this guy. Oh, we liked his last song. So it's making things a lot easier for a follow-up and beyond. Awesome. So I'm not going to be a one-hit wonder, fingers crossed. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you still play that remix when you play shows? Well, I haven't, I haven't played like any shows year, in long enough, but now I'm making more pop, like house music. Um, that stuff was very trendy, that sound, that like melodic trap future bass. Yeah. It was very 2016, 2017. So right now Adventure I'm- Adventure club kind of. Yeah. Style, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm playing more of the stuff that I, I make for radio and what I make. So I, I don't know if I'll slip it in. Maybe like for nostalgic purposes, I'll play it back in Winnipeg one yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> really random question here. Do you have any of those like plaques? You know, those plaques are- I don't have a plaque yet. Okay, so it's coming then. Like it's the coming. radio plaques, you mean? I don't know. You know like a gold black. Artists, artists get. I don't know if the radio plaques, like, billboard like, plaques, yeah, whatever like uh, plaques. streams Spo or plays. Well, or Spotify has them. YouTube, everybody fucking has them. Like, I, uh, you know, I told Eric I actually. I told Eric the other day <laughs> that really? my first gold plaque. I was like, this is my reward. So my first Canadian gold record, which I feel like is going to come this summer. My first gold record. I'm like, my reward is I'm getting. Frenchie I'm getting a dog that's my reward that's your reward no, I was good like, for you man dude, all I do I keep trying to be responsible where I'm like bro I'm full-time artist I travel I, I move around way too much I can't have a dog but I'm like once I have a certified hit where it says my name with a gold <laughs> plaque I'm getting a dog and no one's gonna stop me are you gonna bring the dog with you like when you tour and stuff you're gonna leave I'm it, like, bring it here we'll take care of it I, I'm gonna bring it around I'm gonna be a great dog father but that's like my if you check like <laughs> my father's my Instagram explore page is 25% of it is like DJ stuff and 75% is just dog stuff you, you really don't wanna, you I don't want to know what my explore page looks like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can right. imagine my uh my parents just got a dog they, we we had a dog that was, was fortunately put down a few months ago now my mom really missed having a dog, so we just got a new gold, uh, golden doodle, <laughs> golden toy. I don't know, it's a small golden doodle, yeah. it's like this big. It's gonna probably get like this big. Really cute dog. But for me, I've had a dog before. Um, I will like now. I cannot get one now. I'm not that I'm not responsible. I just like I like the idea of one, but it's a big commitment. I'm like, the same way. It's a sign to me that my life's getting more stable. Like I'm on the come okay. up right now where like if I have a hit, I'm like, okay, I'm in the game. I could take a deep breath right now. I yeah. could get a dog. That's like my mark okay. right there. Fair. So yeah. that, that's my mental. When I get a like a serious relationship and I move in with someone, that, that's yeah. when I'm going to get a dog. That's, that's what good. I would do. Because yeah. then it's two people taking care of it. Yeah. It's hard Instead of just me. Um, I love how I'm like, when I get a gold plaque, I'm going to get a dog. <laughs> when I go platinum, then I'll have a serious relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Most people like gold plaque, I'm going to go buy like a rollie or like, you know, get a car or something. So I'll get a dog. That's very wholesome, man. I like that. Try it. Uh, I was going to say, what, uh, what do you like, besides obviously having hit records and pop songs and radio hits, what do you like, what do you hope to do in 2022 things go whenever like in the near future back to perform playing is there like a festival you have in mind is there a residency you want to have 2022 or 2021 whatever year whatever it happens if it happens this year happens next year like in the in the 
on the horizon? What For me, you, I just I just really want to elevate who I get the privilege to collaborate with because from the start, whether it was a Tory record, Goody record, Jamie Fine, Always Never, these other people that are on the album, every song that performs leads to another door open, another, hey, I'll follow back. Hey, I'm going to reply to this DM. Hey, yeah, maybe we'll get on a Zoom session. And it's been crazy. Like I'm four songs in with this project and the talent, the like legendary DJs that are willing to reply to me and like the legendary songwriters that are like, yeah, I'll get on a Zoom session with you. So that's kind of the goal for me long term is to keep putting out records that matter so I could keep working with talent, like high level talent. Because some of these like songwriters and DJs, like these people are geniuses. When you hear these people write songs, you're like, how did you even think of these melodies? So for me, it's to elevate so I can keep collaborating with really great people. And I have a lot of idols in the music biz. And I told you about how I wrote down my dream collaboration list. I have a few that I haven't been able to get to yet. And hopefully with a big record beyond the live side, with a big record, I can then work with some more of my idols. Very cool. So, well, yeah, if you had one person to work with today, like literally right now, one person. See, I have a. Or do you not want to say? Well, it? I have a lame have answer. Well, I have like an obvious answer, and Drake. the reality is it's Drake. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Like, I don't know what <laughs> you. But wait, so let me ask you: You want to get Drake on a pop, like on a, on a pop song? I'll like, probably put him on like a pop, a little more house record, maybe a little. Like, if you got that to happen, uh, that'd be crazy. The thing is, like. I have cool answers and things people ask this all the time. And like the PR part of my brain says, say a cool thing. But then the honest part of my brain is like, it's Drake. Like, what do you guys want from me? I want Drake on the song. Like I have the cool answer. I'll talk about the band from the eighties, but it's like, I want Drake on a record. So that, that's, that's reality. Yeah. Respect Made, yeah. Respect. Respect. Drake's one of the greatest, man. I agreed. Agreed. Honestly, it really is. But okay. So let me ask you, um, in terms of like hip hop, who do you think is a better rap? I guess who do you think is better Drake or J Cole? Well, I Talent J Cole is my favorite rapper growing up, so I'm biased. I think I think J Cole probably is a better rapper, but Drake is the greatest songwriter maybe in history. <laughs> like really? songwriter, just making great records and his melodies and his ability to change his tone. But J Cole, like I mean, I grew up on J Cole, one of my favorite rappers. That's why ever. I asked because J Cole's my favorite rapper, and I heard you mention him earlier. Like, and he Forest just released Hills Drive. That's my new, favorite. I was nervous on this new album. Pretty good. I was like, uh oh, is this album gonna be like a fall off? Is he gonna be cold? Is he not staying current with the sound? First intro, I'm like, oh, he's sick. I'm like, okay, we're cool. So what's the song? Uh, Mal, uh, Amari, I think. He has one with Little Baby. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I was this snaps. morning working out. So I'm happy, man. I love J. Cole. And he's a really smart guy. Have you ever seen uh I ever seen any of them play perform live? Yeah, I watched J. Cole live in Winnipeg, Manitoba, small venue. <laughs> five hundred people. Shut wow. up. Five hundred people early in his career, first album. And he had a loyal fan base since day one. Like people were singing every word with five hundred people. So J. Cole, man, legend. Love that. I also saw Drake in Winnipeg, believe it or not. Like, I was just going to every, any person that was like hip hop. I opened for Tory when I was 18 years old. He had 50 people in the crowd in Winnipeg. So, like, I, any hip hop show that ever came to Tory Winnipeg. Tory had 50 people in Winnipeg. 50 yeah, people max. When he was 18, so it was eight years ago. He had no hits. But well, think about that too. Tory's like, imagine like eight like, years ago, Tory was nothing. Nothing. I don't want to say nothing. Sorry. But, but you think about that, like, you put, that puts it in perspective, right? Because I guess when, as a, as a fan, you see these artists that are like, you know, you know Tory Lanez now. It's like, oh yeah, it's obvious he's gonna be big. His songs are sick, but then you see him playing. Never mind who's the. Like, you see him playing shows, and you hear like fifty people. It's like, dude, I was a university DJ, and I played for more people <laughs> than that. So it's like, it's like these people really grinded it I, out. I was a like, promoter. Like, I you said played in front of, for more than 50 you played in front of twelve people, like really grinding it out. Like, I'm like, dude, we could put twelve people in here, and it wouldn't even look busy. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's dude, so to be really passionate about what you do and grind it out in those shows where it's like, holy shit, that. that 
this is all that wanted to come, but you're like, I, I know I'm going to do this, stick it out, and then you end up one day later playing. I have like a, later. a funny story about humility. This, this is, I've, I've been humbled so many times. If you guys are like, oh, this guy's humble, it's like, no, I've been humbled. <laughs> I'm not humble. I've been, I remember like doing a run of Vegas shows where 4,000 people packed venue. And you're the headliner, and you got the production. They got your name in the back. You're like, you start feeling a little too nice. And I'm staying at the Cosmopolitan. They give me the nice suite with the ra- I'm feeling a little too nice. And we have a show in Houston, Texas, a place called Stereo Live. And we're the headliner. I'm like, I was, we've just been packing these venues, guys. Like, of course, we're going to play this, this venue that fits like 2,000 people. We sold 27 tickets for a 2,000-person venue. I played the whole set. We had a good time. But that was humbling where it's like, oh, these people in Vegas aren't here for me. This EDC festival where I can't stop seeing the people, they're here for the festival. They're not here for me. I could sell, what, 30 tickets in a, in a random market? So that was very humbling, the difference between packed venues where you're just a value add and hard tickets. They're clicking your ticket link and buying. So that was another thing that humbled me, where it's like anytime <laughs> I was too gassed on those big shows, I'd be like, oh, wait, when it's just a my show in a random market, things don't look this nice, yeah, you know? Fair, fair. Damn, and that's uh, that was honestly though. It's still like I'm just thinking about Vegas now. <laughs> Fuck, it's just oh, all in my head, like thinking about what it's like to fucking be in Vegas right now. Never mind, be in Vegas, no, play a show yeah. in Vegas. I lived in Nevada for a year when I was doing those shows. I just moved to Nevada. I was like, we're really? gonna stop with the travel, and I was like, we're gonna figure it out here. A lot of the DJs that played out there started to become aware, so I got to go to their studios when they would fly in. We would hang out and work. And I just have like a soft spot for Nevada and Vegas. Oh, and I got a soft spot too it's just for like, Vegas. It's could, a beautiful I could, place. I think man. I could live in Vegas. Like no, I could live in Nevada, place. like not the Strip, but like I could live. I was like five minutes off the Strip. It was quiet, nice little neighborhood. And whenever I wanted to to go to the chaos, five minute Uber, I'm there. I love I love that place. And obviously, LA is probably the next move. But I always think Vegas is is where I I feel at peace. I love that yeah, place. It's the be- honestly, I really it. like. We've got I've gone a few times. We've already gone the same amount because there's a couple times you went, I didn't go on and vice versa. I've been to Vegas uh, probably six times. I, I was going to say six was, from here and it ran that range. I was thinking about this, why I love Vegas so much. So like, was, this yeah. is my theory. If you go to a show, that's like an escapism, right? I'm going to a show, let's say in Toronto, I'm going to Rebel. I'm going to escape from my problems and enjoy the show for four hours. That's what makes shows so magical. You're not worrying about your stress at home. You're escaping through this music. Vegas, same thing. But you're also escaping your entire trip. As soon as you land, you're in yeah like, four days. Of that's nothing. why like people are on a different energy. They're like, yo, I'm not like they're just chilling. They're like, I'm not worrying about my problems for these next four days. And like people are just happy. How bad do you want to go to Vegas right now? Dude, when you put bad. a drink in my hand, I escape all my problems. <laughs> no, but but it's <laughs> I true. Agree, like yeah. I a lot of I don't know. I this this thing about like I love all aspects of it. I love like the party side. I love the food side. The yeah. shows. When I say shows, like the whatever, Cirque Cirque Soleil, Soleil and all yeah, that, that kind of like. Even just walking the strip, like just I literally like some days, like I've gone for work trips. I've gone with buddies. I've gone for like uh, birthday. I've done my birthday party there before. I've done like we've done every kind of trip you can do. I've, done, I've gone with my siblings. Like I've done wholesome, you know, everything. Like it's honestly the funnest place. And like okay, usually by the end of it, I'm like get me the hell out of here because it does After become like a, a four lot. day trip. Yeah, but it's just it's cool because it's 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 different things to everybody, and it really does have something for everyone. And yeah, when you get there, it's like it's almost like you're in like it, honestly adult Disneyland. Like you're just like you don't have to really worry about anything. Like you're there, you can do whatever you want. Everyone's in a really for the most part really good mood. Yeah. Ah, it's just a fucking. There's awesome like place. a different level of showmanship and production. Like oh, the venues, like, they it's like a 
EDC in a 4,000 person venue. I remember one of my first shows there, I was, I came up on like Serato. I don't know if this is too technical. So Serato Serato is like, if you're like a hip hop DJ, that's how you came up. And a lot of guys are record box DJs. And I remember like, you know, talking to the sound check guy and be like, hey, is everything all good? You know, I'm using Serato for the set. And like, they literally, the opener ended and they literally just like picked up the entire cdj just moved it and my setup they just like inserted and i was like oh the production here is different to <laughs> these people they didn't even just like plug no plug they, they had like two whole... different decks Set-ups. and they're literally like yeah we're Come not even on. taking chances but we're just moving it and i was like oh the production here is different and then you see you play your first song drop and all the production i was like oh this is like a festival in a beach club 4, yeah it's That's insane insane i love that place man. what do you like better let's la- i guess last one here what do you like better the uh, playing in the club or the day parties I uh, oh that's a really good one. Day parties are very fun. It's a lot more chill music, which I enjoy. Nightclub, I'm playing a lot of hip hop. Oh, they're they're equally incredible. <laughs> I love, I <laughs> that's love somebody. it. Fair answer, I guess. George, what do you like? Oh, more? day party. Yeah, day parties there. Encore <laughs> Beach Club is my favorite. One of my one of my favorite places to hang out in the daytime. <laughs> like hang, hang out. No, honestly, like I've gone there before and like not gotten crazy drunk and just sat at the like the poke tables or the <laughs> blackjack tables in the back and like drank. Usually we get pretty, we drink quite a bit. For Encore me, Beach Club is, is one of the funnest, one of the funnest part day parties in the world. I think I would probably agree with you on that. Yeah, because even like I was gonna just I was thinking about like in my head like when I said that I was like oh Mykonos, but there's not many like I don't think of many day parties in Mykonos like Scorpio Charlemagne. Those are like sunset parties. Those aren't day parties. Yeah. Like what? In Ushuaia is a night, but like a sunset party. Sunset party. People so like, always always want me to say like, "What's your favorite set?" They always want me to say like EDC, Main yeah. Stage Mexico, and you I always like Main Stage, Main Stage EDC Mexico. Really, holy cool shit! That moment, everyone wants me to say it was my favorite, but it's always in the back of my head. Like if I know I'm talking like a super EDM person, I'm like, "Oh, it's EDC, of course." But in the back of my head, I'm like, "Yo, I love Vegas. Everything about it. It's just like <laughs> it's those are my best. favorite SLS memories." SLS Miami is a good one too. Dude oh, party. true. SLS Miami was that's Hyde or no SLS. We went to Hyde, unless you went to talking about a different trip. But the uh, time we went in New Year's so, Hyde. No, so I'm not talking about New oh, okay. Year's. I'm talking about the time I went with Paulo a few years ago. Okay, but I feel fair. like it was the same no. party. No, 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 no. You're right. You said it was like some DJ. jungle thing you were yeah, at or something. Yeah, that was. A I remember sick that one too. Um, so funny. We we travel a lot together. We've been friends for like, best friends for over a decade now. Wow. Almost like I don't know, since 2008, nine, whatever. It's so crazy because like we've gone on so many trips together, but even those we didn't go on, it's like we'll send each other like our group chat. So I even know the trip she's talking about when I was like, oh, it wasn't even there. Has business tested your friendship more or made it better? You always uh, hear you're not supposed to, to be friends with your business yeah, partner. No, to be honest, I think we argue. So like, we started first first with the podcast. That was before the that was our first ever business venture together. And at the maybe the first like couple months, we'd get into a couple like small little dis, like arguments or disagreements. Disagreements. Uh, but we always like we have personalities where we're both like very strong personalities like both alpha so we we normally you know crash uh but no I've, i think business has made us closer because when we see each other literally five days a week yeah. and then even in general there's times where we can put our differences aside and say okay what's best for the business you know and and we kind of have a good split right now where it's like i handle more of the podcast he handles more of the app so we kind of like okay the app you, this is your lead on it podcast more my lead so it kind of works out like that and we haven't had a, a real big fight in i don't know a couple we're of both years. really stubborn i'm probably more stubborn but the difference is like we know our domains and we know what we're really good at I have a tendency to think I'm the best at everything. I just naturally think that way. I I, I can I can I'm comfortable admitting it. I know my flaws as much as I know my strengths. 
Um, so typically, like I always know, like we're like Ricky, but also one of our other best friends, Dave, is also one of our co-founders. Because I'm like, I have the role of CEO for the app. For the mo- we still we debate everything, and that and it should be right. I don't want people to sit there and tell me, oh, you're the CEO, you're right, whatever. Like we, I asked, I asked them almost everything. Even stuff I don't really need to ask them. I'm like, what do you guys think about this? Because um, I think it's it's how it should be. But if I say I th- really think it should be this way, like they both, okay, you know what, you that's what you believe. And the same goes with Ricky with like the podcast, even within the app in his domain in the marketing growth side. But like on the podcast, I'm like. On that side, I te- tend to interject a lot and give my opinion a lot more than he does, vice versa. <laughs> but uh, no, we, you know what? We respect each other. That we we respect the fact that we both yeah. are are good at the same things, good at different things, similar. Like we know we yeah. we know each other well. So yeah, yeah I think I, we 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 sh- shockingly we get along better as business partners than we do as best friends. <laughs> like, it's crazy. No, what do you think about that? How much do we argue in the last year and a half that we've been business partners versus how much we've argued over we're the last... We're also older. We yeah, turned 30. Like it's very, a little yeah, bit different. Anyways, <laughs> Peter, thank you for coming on, man. You're an absolute beauty. We no, love having you. are just a good dude. Like, well, I looked I, up. I it was wanted, like 45 minutes. I was like, what the fuck? I can't time. even tell what we're at now. It's like I'm now right now. Yeah. Um, but you're just someone that we want to cheer for. Like sitting down with you, it's... We knew this was going to be fun, but you're someone that I just generally like. I think I speak for George too. We want to see you succeed. 100%. We, we are going to be some of your cheerleaders moving forward. We will make sure that we are at every show once shows do come back because uh, your first show in Vegas, I promise. I'm, I'm 100% I'll be there. <laughs> first show back. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you guys so promised sure to come to Vegas and Winnipeg, the two polar the opposite locations. Deal, 100%. <laughs> Hopefully, you play like a show back-to-back. We'll fly there with you and then fly over. We'll make it Take a weekend. Take the PJ. I love it. Um, <laughs> Peter, we got uh, two questions. We, so I keep saying Peter, but anyways. Uh, we have two questions we always ask every guest. Uh, this is kind of a wrap-up. So the first, if there was a movie about your life, who would you want to star as you? Oh, I'm I'm so bad. I barely watch movies. This is a lame answer, man. I don't know very want. many actors like that. I will. I have to ask you guys who would play me. Oh, fuck. no one. Ryan ever, Reynolds, I, hands down. I like that. I actually I could see that. Yeah, it's a good answer. Like Ryan Reynolds is just a good dude. I want to cheer for him. Like you know, has that kind of high kinda energy. Like, like where you're dressed right now, I kind of yeah, see it too. Ryan Reynolds. Look, yeah, Ryan so, Gosling just, too. Fuck it. I just watched Deadpool. I watched Deadpool last night. Good movie. Ryan Reynolds is Canadian too. So See, like you that. guys should just answer the questions. Just judge. You're the first. I, I always think There's a lot of first. You've think asked us a lot of first like questions we've never been asked. Before. I always think about when it, as I ask it, I always think in my head. And usually, as soon as the person sits down, I I have a, an idea who I want to say. But it's judging them, judging a book by its cover already. Eh? No, because then it changes sometimes. But I'm just thinking about <laughs> right, if this guy was in the movie or if this girl. Fair. Like, I would see that Ryan Reynolds is good. Like George, if I was if you a young Russell Crowe. Sick. That's who I'd have to play you. Me, really? A young Russell Crowe. Honestly, I hate saying this to you, but honestly, I'd say Bradley Cooper. Even though I fucking hate it because I know you like that answer. Fucking Rick loves that. because, But I honestly, especially with the haircut close. now, looking ah, fresh. Ah, you know what would have been a good philosophical question that would make me sound smart? If I was like, the movie's not finished, guys. We're just starting. We'll find out in 30 years. Uh, <laughs> that would have been cool. That would have been a good answer to blow our mind. We'll count that one. We got the last. We got the last question here. If you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Remain patient. Um, This is going to be a long, long journey. This is not a get rich quick. This is not a high immediately hit record type of business. Is this something you want to do for the next 30 years? If that answer is yes, which it was, which I've asked myself, then do it. You really, really need to do this because I don't even know if you should do stuff because you just like it. I literally think it needs to feel like it's the only thing you can do. Like this is like music. Every day I wake up, every night I go to bed, 
I'm thinking about the next song or how to improve the next song or how to improve the next visuals or what our plan's going to be for touring. And it's just like, it, it just, I don't even know if that's advice. It's just, you need to be self-aware of what is something you can't stop thinking about for 10 fucking years. Sorry about swearing. It's okay. Uh, uh, good. 10 straight years. If you still think about that thing every morning and when you get the calls from your management in the morning, your label says something you didn't like them to say, but you're still like, hey, this is a part of the journey. I'm rocking with this. I, so I don't know if it's advice. I think it's just meditating on what has stuck with you from high school to your adulthood. What keeps haunting you? What do you keep thinking of? And for me, it's been trying to make great songs. I absolutely love that. Dude, I love it, man. You're great. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I we were like, yeah, Ricky said it already, but Tech would wish you the best of luck with your career and everything. And obviously, you're welcome on the podcast anytime. Thank you, it's guys. Been a lot of fun. I feel I, like we could have talked a lot more yeah, about a lot of things. Well, um, that's not the best part. We can always do around. Like I told yeah. you guys, this is a beautiful setup. I'm proud of what you guys are building. I got to shout out Eric and Nick because they told me that I should come on this podcast and that you guys were great guys. So. Uh, shout out to Eric and Nick. Shout out to Nick. Nick was one of our first guests. He was in like in my old in the old He's studio, the and we had my little like loft. Not even a studio. It was, a whole it was my it was my den in my in my condo in the little loft. But uh, yeah, Takis, rocket, pleasure, it. buddy. It's, uh, um, before we wrap up, if people want to find out more about you, your music, the album, where can they go? How can they find yeah, you? You can check out any streaming platform. Takis, T A K I S. Easy. Love it. Uh, guys, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, review, give everybody here a follow. We'd really appreciate that. I forgot to mention how great these beverages have been. Oh, shout out our sponsors. <laughs> Big shout out to Cottage Springs. We love you guys. You know I, we love them. If you haven't already picked up a, uh, a box of the mixed eight-pack or the new raspberry lemonade, fire. it is fire. Me and George have already crushed a couple, as you can see behind on the table there's some open ones there and we got a full fridge loaded of them so thank you again and signing off till next time cheers pals go stream takis peace you like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain and i don't remember all of my mistakes and every i got alone no one thing you're not all right i'm not all right Yeah.